Welcome to the Global Australian Podcast. I'm Johanna Pittman, CEO of Advance, the Global Australian Network. We're the non-profit organisation committed to strengthening Australia by nurturing a globally connected mindset at home and abroad. One of the ways we do this is by shining a spotlight on the impact of extraordinary global Australians. In this podcast series, we meet 25 game changers recognised in the 2023 Global Australian Awards. These remarkable individuals generously share their stories with us, giving us insight into their international career journey, its highlights and challenges, and what motivates them in their work. I hope you enjoy getting to know the inspiring game changers of 2023. In this episode, you'll meet Dr. Kynan Eng, who was announced the recipient of the Technology and Entrepreneurship Award. The Technology and Entrepreneurship Award recognises individuals who have leveraged their Australian upbringing and education to pursue successful entrepreneurial careers. Dr. Kynan Eng is the co-founder and CEO of Innovation, a Zurich-based technology startup. Kynan is a pioneer in the emerging field of neuromorphic engineering, having created a unique camera that is modelled on the way our retina sends messages to the brain for processing. In simple terms, how do you describe what you do? Um, So the field that I'm working in is called neuromorphic engineering. And uh, basically, this is trying to understand how humans and other animals um, intelligently, you know, live in our world. You know, how do we do that? How do our brains work? And that's that's one part of what we do. And the second part is to implement that in technology, right? If we can build systems that um, directly mimic aspects of how our brains work, then perhaps we can make our technology more intelligent and also more efficient um, in in how they deal with the world. So we do on one side experiments with uh, biology and also on the other side we design chips and uh, create software systems. It sounds to me like a a really specialised field. How many people are are in in the field that that you're in or or is is it as niche as it sounds to me? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, when I first started, which was in 2000, I'd say that the number of people in the world that were in the field was maybe 50 to 100. Um, it's become quite uh, a bit larger since then, uh, particularly when the big corporations uh, got involved. Um, I think it really started getting moving about 10 years ago when we started doing a project with IBM and uh, DARPA, you know, the US Defense Research. Um, that was 2013. And then uh, since then, other big corporations have become involved. For example, Intel, um, Samsung, where we have a collaboration, uh, Sony, you know, so the big names are in. And so the field has really grown uh, quite a bit uh, since, since the time I started. And when you were studying your, maybe in university and then uh, doing your PhD, did you did you see that this was the direction you wanted to go? Did you always think you would end up uh, running a company with this in this field? Um, no, and yes. Um, so, you know, when I was you know back in Australia, you know, I I was always interested in robotics, right? From what you know, things that you see in uh, science fiction. And 
So I studied um, computer science, mathematics, and mechanical engineering. Right, this was at Bonash. Um, and so that was kind of the closest thing you could get at the time uh, to a dedicated robotics, AI kind of education. And I, I went to Switzerland after that kind of by accident on an internship and then, then got stuck. Um, I, I was working in industry, on uh, heavy industry, for a while. And then I thought, I want to do a PhD, but I don't want to do like standard industrial robotics, right, where you make cars and, and so on. And so I was looking for something a bit strange and uh, came across this institute in Zurich, which was the first in, in the world that was explicitly combining um, biology and engineering. And so I thought, you know, this is really strange. I'm, I'm going to go into this. And uh, yeah, I've been uh, stuck in the field ever since. And transitioning to be an entrepreneur and build your own technology in this space, how, uh, how's that transition been for you? Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, yeah, in over the past 20 years, I've had different roles. You know, first I was a PhD student, then I was postdoc, then I started running my own group, um, which was actually looking at um, neuroscience of virtual reality interactions, um, which is not completely unrelated to the work I'm doing now. Um, but one thing that probably not everyone would appreciate is that um, when you're a non-tenured faculty running your own research group, it's not that different from running your own startup, right? Um, you're constantly chasing money, right? Whether it's grants or creating products or looking for investor money, right? You're, sell you're selling all the time, whether it's your idea or your product, right? Um, so many of the skills uh, are quite transferable uh, between the two. And I always knew that sooner or later this work would leave the lab right to, to have an impact on the real world you have to get out of the lab you know and so i was basically one of the people who was kicked out of the lab uh, to do this wow well um it's a topic that uh we've been looking at a bit about the research commercialization process and um maybe we'll have save that for another day but to dig deep into that area how you were kicked out of the lab to to make it happen um I guess just sort of uh, another area to explore though would be around um, the challenges that you face in, in building a, a business like this and building it in Switzerland. What's that, what's that experience like for you? Yeah, so it's definitely not easy, right? Running a startup is never easy, particularly when you have a new technology, which is, you know, to be honest, it's a solution looking for a problem, right? A lot of university-based technology starts like that, right? We've got this cool new thing, it's reinventing the wheel, and, you know, okay, where can we make this thing useful, right? And uh, the way we approached it initially was to basically just produce, in this case, a camera, right? Um, basically, like, you know, one of, these, one of these things, and just sell it, right? And initially, our customers were other researchers who said, okay, you know, this is interesting, I'm going to try, try something. And so we didn't actually raise any money uh, for quite a long time. Um, and that turned out to be a, a, good, a good approach because we didn't have to lie, right? We didn't have to promise that this was going to change the world in the next three years, which is when VCs start 
getting impatient. Um, and so, you know, now we've deployed our technology to over 700 uh, organizations across all industries, you know, consumer electronics, automotive, defense, aerospace. Uh, the cameras have gone, you know, everywhere. It's like 40 countries around the world. Um, we had some go up into space uh, two years ago. That was actually with the Australian Air Force. Um, one of our partners is at Western Sydney University. So that was quite nice to somehow have this linked back to home in a, in a kind of way. And um, we even had some go to Antarctica recently. Uh, they were being used to observe um, penguin social behavior. But that's, yeah, that's another story. Wow. Well, um, it, it, in so many different use cases, it sounds like, um, and there's, you know, there's, like you said, there's the, um, the finding the opportunity to put this technology to use. What motivates you every day? What, what motivates you to keep trying to find those use cases and, and develop the technology? Yeah, um, I think personally, it's really nice when you make something that's useful for someone else. Right. Even if that someone else is someone working in the R&D department of a company, right? They, you know, they they buy this, they plug it in, it works, right? Just just that is a huge step beyond, you know, what you're able to achieve in the lab, where maybe it works for this one demo, right? And then breaks immediately afterwards and never works again, right? There's a um, a lot of work that goes into making something reliable and useful to people and useful to the point where it's just part of their everyday lives, right? Um, they don't think about how it works or, you know, does this, do you have to breathe on this thing the right way? Um, so um, I guess I'm kind of a product person that I like to create things that become part of other people's daily lives, right? At, at the moment, these people are still quite specialized, right? They're engineers, but, you know, uh, in our uh, product plans. We have uh, plans for products which will hopefully be usable in uh, everybody's daily lives, right? Whether that's future autonomous vehicles or toys or other consumer electronic devices. Wow! Well, we, I can hear the um, ambition there to 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 make it go broader and and to have um, you know wider uses. Uh, what does it? mean to you to be recognized as a game changer in these global Australian awards? Um, yeah, I think firstly, it's a bit strange, right? I never saw myself as, you know, a candidate for this type of thing. Um, of course, you know, it's nice. Um, I think what it really means, though, is that it's a validation that the work that we've been doing um, is hopefully on the verge of having a real world impact right uh, i think it i've always been one for getting out of the ivory tower so to speak um and so you can if you can manage to do that um and hopefully we are some of the ways to achieving that then that does change the game you know for some people in some parts of their lives and so that's the most rewarding part um, being able to basically get some return on the investment, right? The decades of investment of public funds uh, in this work. Yeah. And I imagine um, more Australians learning about it will mean they uh, might might be very keen to look into the technology. We had a, a participant on one of our recent programs who 
his his field sounds very similar so I'll be sure to um, make sure he knows more about your company because it's um, what what is hiring like in in your field is there, uh, uh, is there a good talent pool to choose from um, yeah the hiring technical people is actually quite easy here um, you know the the ETH Zurich uh, Swiss Federal Institute of Technology right it's one of the world's top 10 universities so getting people is really not an issue. Um, it's much harder to find people who can sell and get the business part, right? This combination of business and technical knowledge, that's the X factor. Uh, but getting engineers is easy. Right? Well, yeah. And uh, what advice, do you, I'm sure you get approached by a lot of people earlier in their career with that, looking for maybe to get into this field, what advice do you give to um, those earlier in their career? Um, yeah, so I actually do this quite a bit because I, I actually I mentor um, students at Monash uh, occasionally, like a few per year, and um, university here has asked me to help coaching uh, technology transfer cases. And one thing I always try to get them to do is firstly try something it actually almost doesn't matter what you try. Um, failing is good for you. You know, I've done lots of failing. Um, uh, I think it's important to do something. Uh, and also something I've noticed in perhaps the past 10 years is that it's very easy f for the thing you're working on to become obsolete. Um, and so you're actually it's actually lower risk to try to do things that seem to be impossible at the time you start because because that that thing might still not yet be obsolete by the time you work it out which is definitely not something that you know was the case when i started out right i could still see you know things were still in the infinite future but suddenly um things are moving so fast especially in ethereum tech that you're constantly having to run to keep up Thank you for listening to this episode. For more inspiring stories of global Australian game changers, please go to our website, advance.org.